welcome to Mimeo's Talk of the Trade. I'm Mike McNary. In addition to leading the sales organization here at Mimeo, I'm also interested in unlocking the secrets of sales and marketing. In each episode, I talk with creative leaders to find out how they approach problems like motivating sales teams, structuring the revenue cycle, and fitting product to market. At the end of the conversation, you and I have new takeaways to apply to our everyday life. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Mike McNary here with another episode of Mimeo's Talk of the Trade podcast. Today's episode is titled The Unfortunate Reality of Layoffs. Our guest for the discussion is Barb Hulskamp. Barb is an award-winning global strategy and partner sales leader. Barb, it's great to have you on the pod. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you inviting me to the conversation. I've been looking forward to it since we uh, first chatted, and I think it's going to be a good one. Why don't we start off by learning a little bit more about you? How did you first get involved with channel sales? Sure. I actually started in direct sales. I had a very successful career in direct sales and, and really found that I could compound my success and just build a much bigger pipeline using that virtual sales team uh, with channels and alliances. Customers really do want solutions and the company I worked for didn't provide that end-to-end solution. So we had to partner up and every opportunity that partnering drove better outcomes, drove more service attached opportunities for my organization, obviously bigger deals. And then there was some great long-term stickiness. So um, I jumped into channel sales pretty quickly when I saw what it could do. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a multiplier uh, in preparation for our, our call. I was looking into it and I think um, the, the the number of companies that are considered to be you know wildly successful that leverage channel sales versus those that don't, um, it's, it's a pretty uh, one-to-one direct line there. Those leveraging channel sales are doing better and getting their product and offerings out to wider audiences. That's right. You can't just keep throwing more sales headcount at revenue growth, right? That 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 has some limitations, but building that virtual sales team with partners really can extend your reach. Well said. What would you say is your favorite thing about the work that you do, Barb? I love building great relationships and, and driving real value and scale for both organizations, right? As a channel person, you don't own the end user customer. Salesperson has that. Um, as, as you know, with a technology company, you're not a principal at the partner. So to be able to bring those relationships together, really build trust amongst those organizations and real value for your customer. Like I said, it's a proven lever of scale. Really is. Well, today we've got an interesting topic, right? One that can mean, uh, you know, negative things for, for uh, many folks when it, it happens, but also can be uh, a time of opportunity. We're going to talk about layoffs and layoffs are an unfortunate reality these days, especially in the tech industry. Obviously, no one ever wants to do layoffs. And when they happen, valued, talented professionals, they're impacted, right? So as sales and marketing leaders, we're sometimes forced to make some hard decisions. I think today's discussion is going to look ideally at how to approach the problem creatively so we can protect your remaining team and, and still you know, hit the goals that every one of us have. Why don't we start off with you know, the beginning of the conversation? So when you're first approached about planning layoffs, Barb, 
what are some of your first priorities? What are the, some of the first things you should be thinking of? Sure. And, and I love this question, but let me, let me start off with some stats just to give some context sure. to the enormity of the impact. A recent Corn Ferry white paper indicated that there were over 450,000 people in technology laid off this year alone. I was speaking to an industry analyst last April, and he indicated that already 500,000 people had been laid off since last Q3. So it is, you know, hundreds of thousands of people impacted. And to your point, that impact extends from the person impacted to the person having to make the decisions and deliver the message to the remaining team, right? So when you're, when you're that leader and you're first approached about planning layoffs, um, I'm, I'm a creature of a dozen questions or so, right? So first, What's the reason for the layoff and what's being measured, right? Is it mm-hmm. is it productivity, right? Is it if it's it's if it's around sales, is it cost savings? Um, how is the percentage of people required to be impacted dis- decided, right? So, as an example, if it is about improving productivity, you're going to start looking at that revenue per head, right, for sales channels or the KPIs that any organization or department is is measured against. If it's about cost savings, what's the total budget that needs to be reduced? And does it all have to come out of headcount? Or are there other areas or creative ways to accommodate that reduction? And sometimes there are, but you know, a lot of times unfortunately it boils down to people. And those numbers are, are astounding uh, that you mentioned. If you think about those in you know pure percentage of the population. You know, uh, we're talking about uh, a significant coverage of the entire country, professionals affected in a short period of time. And another important question when considering the layoffs, and I'm sure we're all just starting to feel some of that impact, is the impact to your customers, your partners, and your vendors, right? So make sure you're having the discussion about how they're going to be impacted as well in areas like customer support, partner activation or recruit. Other events already planned that need coverage, you know, that that cross-functional collaboration is really important in some of that decision-making too. Yeah. And also the question, I think, Barb, when you tell me your thoughts of what sort of day-to-day is this going to leave for those that remain, right? Is this a situation where folks are going to have to do 1.5 jobs or, you know, now handle the roles and responsibilities of someone who's left? And it just got me thinking when you're thinking about impact to customer, right? What's the impact of the folks that are left, right? Big time, right? Uh, you know, the impact um, for those left behind, one, they're, they're still feeling the shock. They still have the emotion. But I think some of the first questions they're asking themselves is, am I safe? Am I next? Yep. Right. And I think as a leader, you have to go out of your way first to give them some time and space to process that. And reassure them and maybe even inspire them to understand why the decisions were made, right? They're, they're business reasons. They're absolutely tough decisions. It's not personal. But if you can get yeah. your team on board to understanding what you're driving to, that, that should help. And then next is that realization of who's going to pick up this abandoned workload, right? So I would hope a lot of the the leaders forced to make these decisions have thought through some of that. But certainly talking to your team, you're probably going to uncover perhaps some tasks or skill sets or unique projects that 
may not have been thought through, right? So I think it's important for the leaders to really focus on what the top priorities are. I often say to my team, I'm going to, I want to get you comfortable getting uncomfortable because if you peanut butter spread yourself across too much, instead of the the needle moving priorities, then you are going to spread yourself too thin. So, you know, my number one piece of advice would be focusing on those top priorities and, and leaving the balance for reactive time. Yeah, I think I think that's really the 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 way to think about it. And you mentioned inspired, right? It's such a difficult time to try to, you know, strike that chord with your teams. As you mentioned, there's a shock that occurs when, you know, a, a portion of the team has been let go. Um, for those that have maybe made the cut but are still there, they've got a lot of questions as you said. And, you know, if you don't strike that chord or if you don't find a way to communicate right in a way that it resonates the whys the what's ahead the optimism you know you run the risk of losing the really you know say the top tier uh, folks that are left losing them due to the uncertainty or that they're not maybe buying into the vision ahead right so there's there's a lot of risk there that's right i and and i'd suggest continuing to regroup with that team on how they're doing right making sure you give them the time and the space to to talk about all of that but then also recognition, right? Make sure as folks pick up other tasks, or maybe there was an opportunity to promote or expand someone's responsibility, right? With Mm -hmm. with some of these decisions, but make sure that they're getting that support and the reporting, right? Make sure that as a leader, you're reporting up, you're reporting down sideways, right? Cross-functionally, what's working, what's not, and have the productivity levels picked up, right? What what areas aren't being addressed? What didn't we think about? What is working? And providing recognition to those who have picked up the ball or have expanded responsibilities, so that you can continue to rebuild that morale. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right on there. And I think you know, as bad of a situation as it can be in, in many respects, it's also a time of opportunity, right? You mentioned uh, some people that may show some skills that weren't otherwise known and. You might have the opportunity to shine in a way that uh, some folks wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise, and um, it can really be an opening for some people to to step up. That's right. Give them give them the opportunity to to stretch. And you know, one of the one of my favorite balances is you want to coach, but you want to empower. Um, yeah. As a leader, you can't do everything, right? So give them an opportunity. They might trip. They might fail a little bit, but uh, teach them how to fail fast. Yeah, I like that. And we say a lot of times here, uh, empowerment with accountability, right? And I, I think like that's, that. uh, yeah, what you're, yeah, you're pointing towards there. Um, so l- let's talk a little bit about, you know, the really tough part of it, uh, 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 which is making the decisions about, you know, what's going to get cut, where it's going to get cut. I really like where you started when you said, you know, let's figure out what our goal is. Right? What is it that we're trying to accomplish specifically? Is it cost cutting? Is it productivity seeking? Once you've done that and kind of uh, determined what your your end game is, so to speak, you know, how do you go about making selections uh, amongst the team that you have in determining who it is that's going to maybe uh, have to be in the battle? And I think that this is critical critical because you want to make sure that uh, you have removed the bias. And you're using objective criteria, right? So my first suggestion, I'm a metrics geek, is go back to the numbers, whether it's quota achievement, productivity levels, KPIs, 
And not just at an individual level, but for the department, right? That might help drive decisions on, hey, we said we were going to hire 10 people with a goal of a million dollars. We're at 700, right? You can start connecting the dots on data so that you are using objective criteria. Performance ratings in the system, not just an opinion in the moment, but do they have consistent performance against the goals? You know, it's not always a popular answer, but tenure, because in some cases you can't replace that organizational wisdom, right? And yep. and with that departing, would it impact your priorities as, as well as the skill sets? If they're unique, if they own relationships with certain customers or vendors or partners, right? I think all of that can be pretty objective. And once you've done that, then, you know, playing around with that subjective criteria. But I'm a fan of having that cross-functional conversation to make sure that you reveal, inspect, and discard any bias, right? So as an example, um, I've seen leaders use the layoff as an opportunity to weed out poor performers. It's not ideal. And and I think a leader needs to inspect what, what should have happened earlier, right? I, I recently had a leader tell me they they didn't move someone out because they were afraid it wasn't going to get backfilled. You know, I've had someone include someone on the list because the leader really didn't feel they fit in. That's really subjective, right? And this isn't a popularity right. contest, right? But you want to welcome diverse views. So what does fitting in mean, right? Yeah. You've got to look at the demographics, making sure that you're not impacting underrepresented minorities or or gender. And how are they performing broadly? Again, that cross-functional conversation across all departments, because you might have data that shows this might be the right person, but then you've got another department that is 100% dependent on them, and they've got that corporate yep. knowledge, they've got those relationships, right? So you kind of need that 360-degree view. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I, and, and I really like that you started with the objective, trying to get as, uh, you know, black and white of a view as possible, right? You know, and then, you know, leaning on the subjective and the, we'll call it, um, multiple contributor viewpoint, right? So that there's no one uh, being viewed in a vacuum, uh, a vacuum being one person's opinion or experience with somebody. Because, Everybody might have a different interpretation of not only the the subjective skill and contribution or how someone contributes to diversity or, or culture, but even on the, the number side of things, that can be true as well, right? Correct. That maybe one data point is more important than another, or you know, this person may be somewhere on a data point scale today, but if you run it back 36 months, the story changes and it's really good. I love that you're talking about it, getting diverse and uh, multiple opinions um, when it comes to these sort of decisions, because um, frankly, uh, perspective matters, not only on the objective, but also the subjective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there are five leaders evaluating and all five leaders are saying we cannot do without this person because of X, Y, and Z, it's a pretty powerful statement after you've got your objective criteria outlined. Yep. I agree completely. And I also really like what you said about addressing performance that maybe wasn't previously uh, addressed. I I think, you know, I'm not a big fan of that either. Uh, You know, I think if there's a conversation happening at some point and an employee is very surprised 
by the feedback it's, and it's it's the end of the road and something was managed very poorly along the way. And and you don't want to put your organization at risk by doing that either. I mean, to your point, one, it's not fair to the employee totally. because they should have been consulted along the way. Nobody likes that kind of surprise. And quite frankly, I think human nature, people want to do better. I love feedback and, and understanding where I could have, I could have had a, a better result because You've got great coaches around you. But I also think as a leader, you want to make sure you're protecting your organization and don't put the company at risk for any, you know, it's, a, it's an extreme word, you know, discrimination suits or lawsuits because this person wasn't given a fair opportunity and they never received any feedback. Yeah. And if there's any of that happening, there should be repercussions, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I think, uh, but it, it's, you know, the more you can be upfront, and I think that eventually speaks to how is your talent review infrastructure uh, uh, within your organization, right? Do you perform quarterly reviews? Are you having constant uh, meetings where you're assessing performance and, and contribution and um, going through all of the, the different, you know, you mentioned at the top, the KPIs, the performance ratings. Um, because, uh, you know, all of that stuff should be uh, looked in upon frequently so that people know where they are. And then, as you said, people would love to become better at what they're doing, position themselves better for what's next and contribute in a way that makes them more valuable. Sometimes they just need to be shown what those expectations are. So that's right. I Do really they know what they're that, being measured that. against? And uh, you, you and I it. could spend another 30 minute session on that subject alone. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's. And now a message from Mimeo, your podcast sponsor. Here are three things you should know about Patricia Parker. She organizes 38 trade shows per year. She is a scrupulous business shopper and she saved her marketing team $40,000 in hard costs in one year. Once upon a time, Patricia's team at WEG relied on an internal print facility to handle marketing collateral. They paid a yearly lease, plus costs of ink and paper for each print project. When their offices shut down during the pandemic, Patricia realized they needed a different solution. She reached out to four different digital printers. After doing full due diligence, she chose Mimeo as her new vendor. Now, Patricia's team places orders online whenever they need them. Says Patricia, we check regularly to see how much we spent in print with Mimeo compared to what it would have been with our leased printer. Each month, we save 50% by using Mimeo. Honestly, switching to Mimeo is the best thing we ever did. Read Patricia's full story at bit.ly slash Mimeo print or call 901-566-8900 to speak to a rep today. That's bit.ly forward slash M-I-M-E-O-P-R-I-N-T. And now back to your episode. Let, let me ask you a different question as it relates to making decisions, um, you know, during these difficult times. You know, I, I, I've seen it handled kind of both ways, but what are your feelings about balancing the retention of talent Versus the retention of specific roles. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have our, our roles and responsibilities outlined within an organization. And then a major change like this comes. Should we be prioritizing keep, keeping people in the seat that works best or keeping the person that maybe has the most diverse and expansive talent 
and getting creative with where they sit within the organization. How, how do you handle that? Yeah, this one I feel strongly about. I try not to be too resolute in an answer, but this one, this one's easy. You don't lose great talent. Um, especially if you've in your process, you've categorized them as a high potential, you can redefine roles. You can reclassify roles. Um, at some point as your organization pulls out of this challenge, you can create new roles, right? But a role can be eliminated and, and you can have great talent in that role. But if you eliminate that talent and you're starting from scratch, Attrition is very costly to the business, right? So I would rather see an organization find that talent, make sure you understand what motivates them, what drives them. Is there an opportunity to give them expanded responsibilities and grow in the midst of that potential org change? Reassure them, right? Because in in a RIF, um, do they feel fear of losing their position and you're going to lose them a couple of weeks or a couple of months later? Right. So I think you want to put your arms around those folks. You want to, you want to protect them. You want to give them an opportunity, find out what drives them and make sure you keep feeding that. Yeah. And I think going back to something that's occurred as a theme already is, you know, there are opportunities that can arise in these circumstances. Right. And, you know, if you can show one of these high potential or top talent folks that there might be some opportunity uh, on, you know, uh, on the exit of this whole scenario. Um, I, I think it's a way to keep people and convince them to maybe take on a different path, at least temporarily, because it might be a way to, uh, you know, where they want to get to, uh, you know, uh, once things have kind of settled down or become more stable. Absolutely. Right. In, a, in an example uh, I've had in my career, we had to eliminate some leadership and took the opportunity to talk with my high potential individual contributor and ask him to take on team leadership role. And it did not come with a raise. It did not come with a title, but it came with some time and, and several of us in the organization surrounding um, that person with support to grow them into a leader so that when we could open up that position, we were grooming him for that role. And that's great. And I think people are willing to do something that they know is temporary. So long as they know it's temporary or they know that there's some sort of, you know, put differently, there's an end date on it, yeah. right? People are willing to do maybe something that they didn't want to do or, um, you know, roll with the punches, so to speak. But if you ask them to do it forever, right, even if that forever is only in their minds, it, it, you know, if you don't give them another way to look at it, that's how they may view it. Sure. You know? and, and, you know, I'll share a personal experience. I was with an organization some time ago, um, post-RIF, and they asked me to pick up responsibilities that were sort of lateral to what I was doing. Over yep. time, because of that lateral responsibility, I became elevated for the next time a promotion came about because I had touched numerous areas of the business. So, you know, for anybody who's looking at that saying, oh, you're just, you're just getting more work out of me for the same amount of money. Um, yeah, you're definitely being a soldier to the company, but um, with the right conversation, it can lead to what that next step in your career is also. No, you're investing in yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's also uh, good to think about the the long game, right? I think we say it all the time, right? Time flies, right? Or, wow, I can't believe it's already this month or, 
this date. And, you know, we think about it uh, uh, passively, but then when we're looking ahead and saying to ourselves, oh, I've got to do this for how long, right? We kind of lose the reference point of how quickly that time can go by. And by, you know, taking on something that might not be the ideal or is maybe more difficult, you're setting yourself up in a maybe over before you know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you love the company, you believe in what you're doing, you believe in the mission, you do have aspirations to move up that career ladder or even find another opportunity within the company, um, you know, based on some new interest, keep asking for it. What are some ways that a sales team can be supported, you know, and as they're asked to be doing more with less, right? Like how does leadership support them in, in that mission? I think first everyone has to be unified on the message, right? It's, it's making sure you've given the organization that time and space to process, but also help them manage through the event and get them on board with the why and, you know, to what you said earlier, to what we're trying to accomplish. What is what is the future and what is the opportunity? Um, we talked a little bit about, I think, a natural human reaction for the team is, am I safe? Am I next? And hey, you terminated my buddy, right? So how are you know you reassuring them through that yep. and, and going to those business reasons? Um, we talked a little bit about the realization of now who's going to pick up that abandoned workload. So prioritizing employees should speak up about any gaps that they're seeing that might not have been addressed. And, and some of them might take a few days to, to expose themselves, right? But I would highly encourage everyone to speak up and not just speak up with the complaint, but bring forth ideas. I yeah. often say I collaborate better with my team. I might have a rough idea. And then as I collaborate with the team, we, we turn it into, you know, a, a nice and shiny outcome. But so bring some rough ideas for it. It might not be completely thought through, but that's what you've got a great team to, to work. Through. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, solutions oriented feedback, right. Instead yeah. of just identifying a problem or a gap, you know, come with something about how we could handle it differently. And I think if we're thinking about how to make things better and how to close the gaps, it's always more productive than just pointing a finger and identifying that the gap is yeah, there. Yeah. Right. And I think a couple no. of things, right. We always talk about, Hey, there's no dumb ideas. I, you know, you really want to promote a safe space for everyone to speak up. But the other thing I've seen is, well, we've tried that or no, this is the yeah. way we do it. Right. So if you've got some tenure in an organization, open your aperture and listen to the newer folks or, you know, whether it's the older generation or the younger generation, because what didn't work three years ago might work now, right? Where are you in that maturity journey? So just open your aperture to, to ideas and, and create that safe space for everyone to bring them forward. Yeah, I love that. And beyond that, right, just building off of what you said, you know, if it didn't work, what did you learn, right? Yeah. When you went through the process. So, you know, there's, you know, a lot of different ways to try to get to the same place, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we won't go down that road again, but maybe we can find a, a path to the goal uh, by trying something different or taking a slice of what we did there with a new and creative facet uh, of the strategy here, you know? So I, I really like that. And what I wanted to kind of close one with is, you know, we're we're talking about this through the lens of 
sales and marketing, right? And, and yeah. the sales team that's left behind and, and the marketing team that's left behind. You know, you mentioned a lot of different ways to support the folks that are now trying to do, you know, some more work than they used to or different responsibilities. What are some ways that a sales team can hit its goal with fewer salespeople and maybe even, you know, a slashed budget, right? You talked about there's a lot of different ways to get the money that you need to, you know, is it always people or is it a slash in your tech stack or maybe it's something else? So you have less money and less people. What do you do? This is going to sound really self-serving as a channel leader, but the number one answer has to be channels. It's a proven strategy, right? To gain scale by building that virtual sales team, right? So if you already have a channel strategy, um, inspect, is it driving incremental revenue and where can you double down or where should you focus? Whether you're looking at certain partners at certain regions or certain customer segments, just pivoting some of the dollars gets you more scale. Do you have the right talent in place to drive the incremental sales through channels, right? I'm a big believer in having joint business plans and having that joint business plan means that you and your partner have agreed upon quantifiable growth goals, right? And the composition of growth matters, right? How much business are you bringing each other? What's the pipeline requirements to get to the revenue goals? Are they a hunting organization? Are they a farming organization and they're working on customer expansion? Um, What's their renewal? What's their customer satisfaction, right? So I think you can inspect the the joint business plans and and channels as a proven lever. Um, Alliances, right? Do you have solid go-to-market plans with your alliances? So that includes your cloud providers, other technology firms you may integrate with, um, MSPs or OEMs. Right? Do you have growth-oriented goals with demand generation activities? Um, there's tons of no-cost, low-cost demand generation marketing initiatives you can do together. Most cloud providers have some nice marketing funds and programs to help you accelerate your growth. Right? If if your solution is in their cloud, or if you're a solution provider with products in their marketplace, they've got lots of of staff and programs and MDF available to you. And last, but certainly not least, look at your customer list, right? Which customer segments are growing and why? Try to find the underlying reasons. Are partners helping you grow that, right? Or is your direct sales force doing well? And double down on that. I I read a recent report that showed, as an example, I'm not picking on SMB, but it said SMB sales is is slowing while large enterprise and global customers are, are, are growing. So do you shift your focus to that growing customer segment, improving your productivity levels until the SMB market rebounds, right? In my last organization, all of our SMB leads went to our partners and they did a great job. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting. And I love that. I think, you know, we're, we try to get our individual contributors, right, within our sales organization and think like that, right? Replicate success, you know, even with our sales development team, right? Where are you having success? What uh, meetings are you booking that end up having a, a great alignment between value and need? We'll go out and get more of those because we know it's working, right? That's right. And I think thinking about it and in, in the, the bigger scale, of course, is the responsibility of a leader, which um, is we're primarily talking about today, but I, I love that the, the replicating what's working well, and you know, 
leveraging those partnerships because here's the reality. I, I've been in organizations that have had reduction in force. I know you have. You cited a couple of instances, Barb. You don't get your number changed, right? No one's going to say, hey, guess what? We're going to lower your quota or we're going to expect less from your organization. Unfortunately, that's rarely how it goes. That's right. right. That's right. If you can, do a bottoms-up approach on how you're going to get there, right? Based on the the metrics that you have, how much pipeline do you have, what's your close ratio, what's your average deal size? I'm a metrics geek. And then start looking at your channels, your alliances, your cloud providers on where you can gain incremental if customer expansion, I'm making this up, but if customer expansion is blowing up in, you know, Europe for you, then then focus on that. Where if you know your new logos and your new customer acquisition is is performing better in Asia Pack, then double down in that area. It's again, get comfortable getting uncomfortable, not peanut butter spreading yourself across a hundred things. Do three yeah. things great. Yeah, you got to play some bets. Right. Yeah. You got to place some bets and say, this is where I'm going to uh, put put my uh, money uh, or my effort or my people. And uh, we're going to go with it. Right. Sometimes you just got to do that. And you place a few bets, like you said, and, and a couple pay off and you're fine. Right. But if you don't do that, which end up doing is uh, becoming mediocre at a lot of different things. Right. <laughs> well said. Um, so I listen, Barb, you know, a very touchy topic for uh, a lot of folks, uh, understandably so. I just loved uh, your takes here. And, you know, if I'm thinking of a a few key takeaways from our conversation, one is, you know, make sure that you have your goal in mind at all times, right? Focus on what you're trying to accomplish and make decisions that support that mission statement, right? You have to know during a time of layoffs what you're trying to achieve, And you'll make the best decisions if you keep those kind of front and center. Um, Secondly, keep great talent, right? Do what you can to keep the folks that are high potential, big contributors, have that institutional knowledge, because it's very difficult to replace them on the back end, one. And two, uh, they are the ones that will help or be most helpful in getting you through a tough time or um, a time of budget constraint or market turn. You know, those are the folks that are really going to give you the highest ROI. And then finally, the number doesn't change. So if you want to have a lever that is going to uh, bring you more with less, maybe less people and less money, explore channel sales. It can get you more with less and may just be the answer to your to your uh, prayers. Um, yeah. I love it. And I think, go ahead, Barb. Uh, Sorry, those are perfect key takeaways. Um, And, you know, everybody is dealing with the impact of a layoff. And I love quotes. And there's a great quote from Richard Branson said, business opportunities are like buses. There's always another one coming, right? You just got to be on the lookout and do your homework, work on your strategy, leverage your team, and you'll get through it. Take advantage of that week because you're not alone in trying to achieve that. Yeah, I love that. And, and, you know, even though it feels like it sometimes you're not alone, right? Someone else is going through something very similar. And uh, I think that's really important to remember. So, Barb, if uh, anyone in our audience wants, to uh, reach out and get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Direct message me on LinkedIn. Uh, it will go right into my inbox and, and not only welcome the communication, um, but if I can help anybody, whether you were impacted or impacting, I have 
been impacted. I have had to deliver the message and I've been the team that's been been left behind. Um, I have been blessed with mentors and a lot of great coaches and really do enjoy paying that forward to help others. So please reach out. Love it, Barb. Thank you so much for your time today, for your insights and expertise. We appreciate it and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks for including me in the discussion today. Really great. Talk of the Trade is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Find out more at www.mimeo.com.